I don't. I don't think there's a more boring team than the Rockies. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I don't know. They they do some weird things. At least they do. They do some weird things. Good morning and welcome to episode 156 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Today we are closing out our 30 team 30 team previews series. Uh, we're talking to Jeff Young, who wrote the Rockies uh, chapter of the Baseball Prospectus Annual. Pete Barrett will be interviewing a guest to be determined. We are again recording this before we know who that guest is, but it will be someone great. Um, Jeff, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. So um, the Rockies are maybe right now the most unconventional club it seems to me in in baseball lately they did the four uh, the six wait the six four the four man rotation <laughs> uh, they with the uh, strict pitch limits they have the the GM in the clubhouse they have the kind of two GM setup and they had the sort of out of nowhere Walt Weiss hiring um, are they weird for the sake of being weird or uh, like should people be paying attention to them. Well, that's that's a good question. Um, weird for the sake of being weird. I don't I don't know about that, but um, I, I think that the uh, the rotation with the pitch count thing was uh, was an interesting idea that uh, wasn't necessarily. Uh, it was probably more interesting than it was good in terms of ideas, um, and I and I applaud them for uh, sort of trying to do something a little unconventional and uh, and you know per- think outside the box, so to speak. Um, but uh, I don't think it really served them very well. The the Weiss hiring, uh, I was kind of rooting for Giambi myself, just because I mean it would be pretty awesome to have uh, Giambi as a manager. But uh, but but Weiss is cool too, and I, you know I, I think um, I I mean I don't know what have you got to lose? The guy the guy has played in Colorado baseball uh, games. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but they did that last year. They can they can improve, you know, or they can they can they can they can be different. I I don't know. Maybe they are being different to be different. Well, now I'm now I'm flummoxed. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let me ask you a different question that will maybe flummox you. You wrote the Padres chapter. You wrote the Rockies chapter. Probably the two most extreme parks in baseball, in completely opposite directions, and um, both teams. Uh, sought to uh, or have sought to kind of temper the effects of the park, uh, the Padres by bringing the, the fences in this offseason, the Rockies, of course, uh, with the humidor um, over the years. Um, and so I just want to know, do you have a kind of an opinion um, on which park is better to have and whether either one is advantageous or if there's just something um, fundamentally uh, disadvantage, disadvantageous um, about having an extreme park without having done any actual research my suspicion is that there is something inherently disadvantageous about having these sorts of parks um both in terms of uh, well i think my my primarily in terms of uh adjusting to other atmospheres when you're out when you're outside of that environment um and then reacclimating yourself once you're back in that environment um that's that's sort of a suspicion I have uh, based on the fact that uh, you know these teams that do play in these parks whether it be the Padres or the Colorado Rockies uh, that they they do tend to have um, you see patterns of 
of types of things that they do that they aren't that they're able to do at home, but then they aren't able to translate those on the road. And then at the same time, um, when other teams come into home, come into their park, they might not be as adversely affected because they don't, you know, they haven't been out of it for a few weeks or whatever. That didn't make any sense, but just pretend it did. It um, does make sense. It's a yeah. hard thing to it's hard, it's a hard thing to be asked unexpectedly. Maybe we should have emailed our Ben next time. Let's email our guests <laughs> the questions. Yeah, oh, that just occurred to us after, after number thirty. It's all a surprise. So you wrote an article at BP earlier this week, um, sort of about that issue, not not necessarily uh, about the strategies that the teams are employing to deal with their extreme parks, but the particular pitchers that they have targeted this offseason or have ended up with. Uh, I mean, the Rockies' rotation is... <laughs> uh, is there any good news about the, the pitchers that they've imported this winter or the, the pitchers that they'll be using? Is there any kind of coherent philosophy to it or... Is it just ugly? It's it's pretty rough. Um, I I mean I think I think you got a guy like Pomeranz who could be something, um, you know, uh, Chassin if he's able to stay healthy uh, could be something. But past those two guys, I mean, De La Rosa was really good, but you really don't know what you've got in him at this point. Um, Nicasio great story for him to come back last year but again he ended up on the shelf again um francis who knows how much he's got left in him at this point um you know volstad as as i i think i said in that article he couldn't get guys out at wrigley i don't see how he's going to get guys out at Coors field so um yeah i mean i i think the guys you're probably going to be pinning your hopes on there if you're a rockies fan are, are guys like pomeranz and chassin and um you know, I, I can't I can't say that there's a lot of there's a lot that could go wrong with both of those guys, but it, but at least there's something to work with there. Um, and beyond those two, it's a little bit uh, it's it's it gets pretty thin pretty quick. Pomeranz um, was a top fifty prospect when the Rockies got him in the um, Ubaldo Jimenez deal. Has his stock uh, risen or dropped? Would you say um, now that we've seen him pitch in the majors? Um. For me, it hasn't really changed all that much because he's he's he still does the same things he did in the minors that made him exciting, which is he he looks like he has some idea of you know he he's got the stuff and he he looks like he belongs, um, but he also does the things that he did in the minors that made him kind of aggravating, which is he walks a lot of guys, and of course in a, in an environment where. Uh, you know, like at Coors Field, you you really can't afford to be wild. Um, so, um, as I, again, I think I wrote in that same article where where he would do very well to pay attention to a guy like Jeff Francis, who really minimizes his damage that way. The rare advice to be like Jeff Francis. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, a lot of optimism surrounding the Rockies a few years ago when they finished second in the NL West and they went to the division series and they were a fairly young team, seemed to be a team on the rise that maybe could be building something. Is there anything you can pinpoint to kind of identify what went wrong or how we got from from that to this? 
not really. Um, that's that's a tough one. I, um, I I mean I think to a certain degree, and this this doesn't nearly explain all of it, but I think to a certain degree, um, you've had guys like uh, Tulowitzki's had a hard time staying healthy. You've had Carlos Gonzalez who had that one awesome year and then has settled into being a, merely a very good player. Um, and I, I mean, guys get old. Todd Helton obviously is just pretty much hanging on to the very end of his career. And and then you've had other guys. There's been some kind of curious decisions like bringing Michael Kadair on for a three-year deal um, when that didn't necessarily seem to be a priority. Um, but I, I don't know if you can really point to any one single thing uh, that I would say. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to mention Gonzalez because he's a guy who a lot of people discount, I guess, because of his his giant home road splits. And I'm always interested in how good he really is and how much we should discount him based on that. What do you think? Carlos Gonzalez would be if he were not a Rocky, if he played somewhere else all the time. And do you think that it's uh, it's a, something to celebrate that he is able to take advantage of course to the extent that he is, or is it something that we kind of should hold against him? I Personally, I don't really feel like it's ever fair to hold a guy's home park against him. I mean, that's just, he's a product of his environment. That's just, that's just sort of how it is. Um, you know, and he's had a real successful run there. Uh, obviously, the the home road splits are huge in his case. Uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I, they they're quite large. And I mean, my suspicion is that again, if he weren't in that environment all the time, he would probably make some adjustments to to ensure that he wasn't. I mean, I I think his level of talent is such that he wouldn't. The split wouldn't. His road numbers wouldn't probably look that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, there, the gap would be lower, and, and part of that would be because, obviously, his home numbers would be lower. But I think probably his road numbers would rise a little bit, too, because of that that suspected but but not proven effect of, of having to reacclimate oneself to, to an extreme environment. Um, I mean, you know, they, they used to have those arguments about Larry Walker when he was in Colorado, and then he left. And you know what? He was still a really good ball player. I don't put Gonzalez in that class. But I think that's a guy that if you took him out of there, sure, his numbers would suffer, but he'd still be a solid ball player. Uh, you, uh, you wrote in the book that you, um, well, I don't remember exactly what you said, but basically that Nolan Arenado will spend time in the majors this year, um, play some role for the major league team. Uh, and I just wonder if you feel like he's earned that, um, if his 2012 season uh, was actually progress toward that, or if it's just a matter of uh, organizational depth at this point? Um, it might be a little of each, although I I, I, I don't get the sense that, um, that he'll just have anything handed to him because, you know, oh, third base, well, we need somebody. I mean, they did go out, they've, they've got Ryan Wheeler there, they've got, uh, that they went out and got, um, Chris Nelson played some there last year, Jordan Pacheco uh, stood at third base a lot. Um, and, you know, they, they do have other options, none of which is all that appealing. But at the same time, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I would assume that he'll be up at some point. I would assume that Arenado will be up at some point, whether it's to start the season or whether they want to um, have him show a little bit more at the minor league level, uh, both in terms of on-field production and just the way he goes about his business. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know how long it will be, but uh, I would expect that we'll see him sooner rather than later because I just but the names in front of him um, should not be a roadblock. What do you think the Padre or the Rockies' future is at catcher, uh, where Rosario last year allowed 21 pass balls and 63 wild pitches, which are two of my favorite stats from the season, and if I remember right, was not much of a, a pitch framer either. Uh, I guess he has a good arm, but that seems to pale in comparison to the fact that he can't catch the ball so well. Uh, do you think he can stick there? Can he get better? He also led the major leagues in errors behind the plate, um, as if that weren't 13, enough. Yes. I, I, no, yeah, yeah. So uh, he kind of he kind of did it all. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he he's a guy that you know the Rockies went into the offseason uh, with the intent of really working on improving his defense, and uh, he, he's the kind of guy the bat's going to play anywhere, um, but. If they can clean up that defense, that's that's a tremendous competitive advantage to have a guy who hits like he does uh, and behind the plate. Uh, and, of course, if he can't, um, I don't know what's behind door number two. <laughs> um, so before last year, I actually remember uh, arguing about who the best player in baseball was with somebody. And, and one of the names that I was sort of pushing was Troy Tulowitzki. Um, and, uh, at this point, um, it seems like, uh, he's kind of, I don't know, definitely fallen out of that conversation. He wasn't all that good before he got hurt last year. And then, uh, he missed the last four months. Do you think that his, I think he's got nine years left on his deal. Uh, do you think that this is already a bad contract or, uh, is that making too much out of one injury? Yeah, I wouldn't go that far just yet. Um, uh, I would be very concerned, um, but at the same time, I don't think we really got. Uh, I don't know. At this point, I would I would be pretty much inclined to write off his performance from last year. Um, now, the more troubling aspect is the fact that he just doesn't stay healthy. Um, that he, I mean, he, I'm looking at his last five years. I see 101 games, 151, 122, 143, and then 47 last year. So, um, you know, that's the he's missing big chunks of time in each one of those seasons. Um, that's a greater concern to me. I think to me, if he's, if he stays healthy and he's able to get out there 140, 150 games, you know, and he, and he can get back to the level that he was at a couple of years ago, which I mean, he's 20, what, 28 years old. Uh, there's really no reason he can't do that for a few more years at least. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't write that off just yet. I, I think he could still be an elite performer. It's just a matter of keeping him on the field. Uh, all right. So I want to know your prediction. This is very important. You're going to close out the series with a prediction. So uh, don't don't say something wrong. Let's, let's get this one right, <laughs> Jeff. <sighs> well, um, my prediction is that there will be no more predictions after this. 
<laughs> but my other prediction is that the Rockies will win 75 games and finish in fifth place in the National League West. That actually probably qualifies as optimistic. It probably does. All but right. I'm feeling it. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, um, thanks for uh, thanks for closing this out. Thanks for uh, appearing, I think, three times. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. And uh, Pete Barrett is going to be talking to a uh, Rockies beat writer or something along those lines next. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're uh, actually going to take the Monday podcast off. So uh, we'll be back Tuesday with episode 157. It may still be winter, but baseball prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover Major League Baseball. Step into the box. The squeeze is on. And welcome to The Squeeze to finish out our podcast preview series talking to beat writers from across the country. We welcome in Thomas Harding, who covers the Rockies for MLB.com. He joins us on the phone from Arizona. Thomas, how are you? I feel good. I feel clean. How about you? I'm doing all right, Thomas. Um, What are some highlights in your mind of Rockies camp thus far? Well, thus far, I think that uh, it's just the athletic ability that's being displayed here. I mean, I thought that there was a bit of a dip in the talent level. They ended up making some trades the last couple of years. But um, guys like uh, Josh Rutledge, who's stepping in to play, th- play, I'm sorry, play second base this year, and then the young prospect Nolan Arenado, who's been the story of Kent, has hit the ball hard, hit several home runs, and really is challenging him from to the major leagues in a year that, in which he's going to turn 22 in April. Nice. It's interesting to hear about some things that have surprised you. I like hearing that. I appreciate your insight, Thomas. But when we talk to writers, it seems like it's tough to not be optimistic at this point in the season, whether you're a writer or a fan, that if things break right, that this team could have a chance. And I have the feeling that with the Rockies, that's not necessarily realistic from a player's standpoint even. What's the sentiment around this Rockies club, knowing that maybe they'll fight for fourth place this year? Well, I'll tell you what, that's the that's the interesting thing is that it, it doesn't seem like the sentiment is that um... – What's the word that uh, pessimistic around the Rockies? Simply because they're in the National League West, and this is a division where you go from worst to first quite often, it seems, or at least worst to contending. And if if you look at them, the pitching is the reason why anyone on the outside can't realistically say that this team is going to contend. I agree with that totally. But um, if you look at them, if they're able to get, let's say mediocre pitching, and if you look at the numbers, uh, 2007 and 2009, when you compare them to other major league teams, it was okay, but not great pitching. But if they're able to get that, then they have a lineup that can really produce. Um, when you have Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez in the middle of your lineup, it's really pretty formidable, and that was one of the reasons why things bottomed out so much last year, was that uh, Troy Tulowitzki was injured, and nobody pitched to Carlos Gonzalez the rest of the season. But if you end up with a Tula Whiskey in the three spot, um, I'm sorry, with Gonzalez in the three spot, and he's an all-star type player, Tula Whiskey uh, in the four spot, and then you've got William Rosario coming off 28 home runs as a rookie, offensively this team can be very good. Now, is it going to be the same old Rockies where offensively they're at the top of the league in a lot of categories, but the team isn't that good because of pitching? That's what we'll have to see. 
We're talking Rockies baseball with Thomas Harding. You can follow him on Twitter at Harding underscore at underscore MLB. Thomas, the Rockies have great players that I love watching, like you said, Cargo and Troy Tulowitzki. At what point do they become frustrated with the Rockies not being a better team? Because their newness in the league, their youth is starting to wear off. They're going to be entering the prime of their career, and they'll probably be in a place where they want to win. So do you think they think they can do that with the Rockies eventually? Well, I think that if you look at um, Tula Whiskey and Carlos Gonzalez, you know, 2007 was Tula Whiskey's rookie year. Well, they went to the World Series. 2009 was Carlos Gonzalez's rookie year, and they went to the playoffs. So they know it's possible, and they know it's possible essentially with um, with what they have. I mean, if you if you look back at those teams, they pitched well, but we're not talking about frontline marquee-type pitchers. So they know it's possible, but it is frustrating to watch what happened last year, which was there were some injuries. Some of the guys that they brought in from the outside didn't perform at all. Um, the young pitchers were clearly unprepared for the major leagues. That's a really frustrating time, and when you're under a long-term contract, you do not want to deal with that year after year after year. We saw Todd Helton have to deal with that until the surprise season of 2007. So, yeah, you, you do pose, pose a very good point. The question is, how long do these guys want to hold out? Um, they're under long-term contracts, but how long do these guys really want to be a part of the team if it's going to struggle like it did last season? Absolutely, and it's interesting to see how it will play out. What do you think that the Rockies would try to sell these guys uh, in terms of a long-term vision here, turning this team from worst in the NL West to best, and how long would that take? Um, in the NL West, and it's strange because, yes, yes, the Giants have won two of the last three World Series, but if you look at a kind of a longer term in that division, you know, the Rockies, they had their two playoff appearances. The Padres have been contenders Everybody seems to get a turn in that division, and it doesn't take that long for it to happen. Like I say, the question is the pitching. And if you look at what the Rockies have pitching-wise, it's uh, Jeff Francis, who they brought back from. Um, you know, he was one of their guys who broke through in the organization, really one of the few that have come through the organization and been consistent, good major league pitchers. And they do have some talent pitching-wise. Um, it, it, the question is, how quickly are they going to learn? I mean, last year, I thought a number of them were thrown in there. I'm looking at Drew Pomerantz and uh, Christian Friedrich, and, and even Juan Nicasio to a degree, guys who were thrown into very resp- responsible con- uh, positions in the rotation and really weren't ready for it. Once they're ready for it, and they do have some pretty good talent, if they're able to keep the team in the game at home, not get beaten by their own home park, then things are a little bit more normal on the road. So I'm just saying in the NL West, it's not that far from where the Rockies are to being able to contend. And and don't forget, in this division, all you really need to consider yourself as a contender is to be relevant come September 1st. So you don't look at it as a three-year plan or whatever or – uh, you look at it in increments. Is that at midseason? Are you able to? Are you within reach of contention? Then September first, are you contending at that point? And and once you hit September first, you're contending. A lot of things happen. Thomas, you talked about how the AL, uh, the NL West, excuse me, might play out towards the bottom of the division, and that's probably where the Rockies are going to be, unless they surprise team like the Orioles last year. But what about the top? You see the other teams, the Dodgers, the Giants play often. How do you think those teams will do in 2013? Um, you look at the collection of talent that the Dodgers have put together, 
But you look at the, how that flamed out last season, and I think there are some questions with that pitching staff, although you, anytime you have Clayton Kershaw, you're a pretty good team. I see the Giants as holding on in this division. Um, they're really well-built for their ballpark. They have just outstanding pitching, and they're able to scratch out some wins offensively on the road, and you don't have to hit with the consistency that maybe you would in another division um, and, and playing in other home parks. So I do think the Giants hold on up there. I want to see the Dodgers. And for the first half of my time here, I would look at the Dodgers, look at what they're standing, look at some of the names in the lineup, and think this team can win a world championship. Well, I'll stop doing that because it seems like they find a way to get in their own way every year. Yeah. The and Diamondbacks, and also the Diamondbacks, you know, they were a club that um, – a couple of years ago, it ended up a, a surprise-type team, and then last year stopped playing good fundamental baseball. And that's something that you need when you're not the Giants who are you know, well-built for their party. You're not the Dodgers who seem to have unlimited money. You have to do a lot of things right, and, and a lot of the little things right, and the Diamondbacks stopped doing that last season. We'll see what happens with them. Thomas, before we let you go, you said the Giants are built perfectly for their ballpark. The Rockies' ballpark, Coors Field, always under question. Hitters love to hit there, but pitching, which you said was the problem, I'd imagine it'd be tough to get a pitcher to sign a contract in Colorado. Is there anything that could be done to continue to make changes to Coors Field or the atmosphere with the balls? Or is there anything more that could be done, or is this just the conditions we're going to be dealing with ever playing in Colorado? I think that those are going to be conditions that you'll be dealing with. I know there has been talk about moving some fences in to reduce the uh, space that the outfielders have to cover, but let's go back and look. I mean, the early, early in the franchise, they did make a surprise playoff trip. They had, but were they star pitchers signed from other teams? No. It was Brett Saberhagen at the end of his career and a bunch of, you know, just tough, greedy guys. You look back at 2007, it was literally all guys that came through the organization, which is why they're, which is why they're giving these guys time right now because it looks like there's a pretty high talent level. Same with 2009. They were able to find, uh, uh, make a smart decision on a veteran or two. Now let's look at their history of free agency, obviously paying at the time the highest uh, price ever for a pitcher in Mike Hampton. What happens is when you get out on the free agent market, um, first of all, the, the top pitchers, there's a little bit of a markup to go to Colorado because you know that at the end of that contract, if you go there, say, 28, 29, 30, and, you, and, and you're there for five years, you leave there kind of on the decline in your career, so you don't sign that contract with the Rockies. I don't think that's ever going to change. The question is, can they build enough of their pitchers to keep them in games at home? I mean, if you look at it, if you give up four or five runs at home in six innings, a lot of times with the offense that they have, that's enough to win the ball game. And that's one of the reasons why Walt Weiss this year's manager, and they brought back guys like Dante Bichette and Vinny Castilla, Pedro Astacio is working with the pitchers right now. They know what it takes to succeed here, and it's different from other places. They know that you're not going to go out in the free agent market and sign the marquee guy, but do you really need to? You look at the years that they've won, they haven't done that. Thomas Harding, who covers the Rockies for MLB.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Harding underscore at underscore MLB. Thomas, thanks so much for coming on and closing out our podcast series for us. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, have a good season this year. It should be should be interesting. You know, with the 
moves that Major League Baseball has made, adding a wild card team or that showdown game, I think it keeps a I think it keeps a lot of teams um, hoping that something good happens from even the Rockies as bad as they were last year. Absolutely. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you. Woo! It's over. I cannot believe it. 30 interviews in six weeks. Sometimes it was tough, but it really all comes down to the writers giving me some of their time to help advance and enhance your baseball experience this year so that you know everything possible about your teams. I also want to thank Ben Lindbergh, Sam Miller for allowing me to contribute this segment to their wonderful Effectively Wild podcast. You guys know what a great job they do with it. Um, every day so it's not just this was just me contributing a little bit these guys do it non-stop year-round it's it's really a wonderful podcast and gets you caught up around the league and gets you the best insight and analysis you could find anywhere on any podcast um, so it, it's great to have shared the web space with ben and sam i really appreciate working with the two of them also talking to all the writers from around the country east coast west coast the heartland of the country and of course this podcast was for you so i hope you enjoyed it i appreciate some of the feedback i got from all of you letting me know that you were listening and having fun also appreciate the constructive criticism and any questions you tweeted at me to ask the insiders Uh, i hope you enjoyed this i hope to be back next year doing it and bringing you more information in the meantime you can follow me on twitter at pete barrett jr if you so wish that's pete Barrett Jr. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you and your team find success in 2013. Thanks so much. Take care.